Welcome to the Colander Medical Radio Show with Dr. Brian Colander, MD. Dr. Colander is a board-certified internal medicine physician who specializes in the assessment and treatment of artery disease. His medical practice is dedicated to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are going to hear from Dr. Colander about his unique personalized concierge practice and his plan for revolutionizing healthcare. His vision focuses on preventing the events that lead to all the catastrophic diseases of our time. Dr. Collander will explain to us about how and why we develop chronic systemic disease and the course we ought to take to prevent it. To find out more about how to avoid diabetes, Alzheimer's, heart attack and stroke, stay tuned and we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to another edition of the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll tell us about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-COLANDER. Dr. Colander, welcome back. Let's go back and talk a little bit more about to new listeners. Uh, what is prevention all about? What are we doing wrong that we don't have enough doctors practicing prevention? Well, Anne-Marie, the concept of prevention, real prevention, is completely unknown to most of the listeners because it's not covered by insurance. And we're in this mindset in this country that if it's not covered by insurance, then it's not worth having. So prevention is identifying any single person's risk of an event and acting on it. And when I say risk, I should probably mean identifying that they have a condition or a disease before the disease becomes symptomatic. Because risk suggests probability. And I don't really like, I don't like working in probabilities. I like working in absolutes. You have the disease or you don't have the disease. If you have it, we've got to stop it in its tracks. So what you're saying is the healthcare in this country and also the insurance companies are not covering prevention. What you mean by that is they're not covering the tests that you are doing, which lead you to discover these diseases before they become active diseases. Right. Like, and I don't blame the health insurance companies for not covering prevention. Like your car doesn't cover rotating your, your auto insurance doesn't cover rotating your tires or getting an oil change, which I would call preventive services for your car. It doesn't cover getting a new roof, you know, or putting gutters on or cleaning your gutters as prevention services for your house. So I don't expect health insurance to prevent disease. That's not what insurance is for. But the problem in our country is that the concept and the belief is that insurance covers what you need. And if it's not covered, it's not needed. So now that there are new opportunities available, which are, as you alluded to, the tests we do in my office, to prevent these conditions, 
then yeah, this is completely unknown. Well, I guess like probably more than 20 years ago, pre before we had the CT cardiac calcium scoring test, and certainly before the CIMT technology was out, I believe that you didn't have the technology to be able to look at the inside of arteries and tell people that they are candidates for heart attack or like maybe some of the lab tests or blood tests that you're doing, they weren't as developed as they are today. Well, really, it's not about, again, you're right, but also we can tell when people have disease and we have for a long time, like a CT calcium score has been available, yet when people call our live show Thursdays at 7, we hear from people all the time who have a CT calcium score that's abnormal and their doctors don't know what to do with it. So this process and a CT calcium score along with the test I do in my office, the CIMT, which is a carotid intima media thickness test, that's about identifying the presence of disease, the action. You know, what someone else referred to me, call, told me is the secret sauce. What do you do with that data? What do you do with right. knowing you have, that you have the disease that if left unchecked will cause you a problem down the road, if not kill you? So in your specialty of prevention, of which you're one of two or three people or two or three doctors that are doing this, when patients come in to see you, what you're doing is putting them through an ongoing screening process, digging for things perhaps they haven't even thought about. You're looking for, you know, markers for diabetes, for many of the other chronic systemic diseases that other doctors are only looking to give you a Band-Aid and fix what's wrong with you today. You know, what you said there is really important is the, that we're doing screening tests. You need to screen for the presence of chronic illness before the chronic illness becomes obvious and presents as a disease. And that allows opportunity for not having the disease. So if you take action before a disease presents itself, when you have a diagnosis, you know, when the disease settles in, causes damage, when it causes disability or injury to your organs, then you need, then it's not screening anymore. Then you have a disease that needs treatment. So before we go to break, my question to you is this. If you come from a family inherently uh, suffering from cardiac disease in the family, maybe your father, your mother, your grandparents, or neurological disease or diabetes, is it possible for these potential patients to come in and then have it identified and do something about it? It's not just possible or I, I expect to do something about it. So I expect no matter who you are, where you come from, what your family history is, what you bring to the table, I fully expect to be able to stop the process of disease and chronic illness and heart attack and stroke in its tracks at that time so that it's not part of your life. Let's come back and talk about the tests that you are doing that no one else is doing. In the meantime, we're going to have to take a quick break. You are listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760. WJR. 
Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll explain to us the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. And Dr. Colander, before I come back to asking you more questions, I'd like to let the listeners know that you also have a live show on Thursdays at 7 o'clock where people are welcome to call in. We have an 800 number. Tune in Thursdays at 7 if you want to ask your question directly to the doctor and get a direct answer. So let's come back and talk some more about the testing that you do to prevent disease rather than waiting until, as most of us wait until we get the disease and then have to deal with the pharmaceuticals and the hospitalizations and all the strife that comes with once you've got the disease. Well, that's when our insurance kicks in. You know, when you have a condition, that's when it's recognized and it's covered. So unless you are realizing an opportunity to stop those events from happening, then you're not taking the effort to screen. So screening is important to identify disease when it's subclinical. Subclinical means that it has not caused a symptom. Waiting for symptoms is waiting too long, especially when you have a process to stop the disease in its track and effectively prevent it from ever happening. So Go ahead. No, you know, pathetically, I'm just thinking about, I know a lot of very intelligent people out there that have told me that they haven't been to see a doctor in four years, five years, 10 years, and I'm always shocked. And I think, wow, you know, how do you manage to just go through all that number of years? And I think they become reliant on the fact that if they feel good, they are good. And they're only looking to go to the doctor if there's something wrong with them. And that's just a wrong approach to prevention and healthcare. Well, that's not prevention. That's not. that's waiting for a symptom and acting on it. And of course, that's what your insurance company covers. So this behavior is learned. It's not like Well, I think it's more than learned. I think it's encouraged because if you go to your average primary care physician, you have to qualify to get in by what's wrong with you today. What is the urgency of the need for your visit? If you call the average PCP, that's the question you're going to get asked. What's wrong with you today? Do you have a fever? Did you break a leg? Did you fall? Are you having fainting spells? Uh, you know, what is wrong? So you've got to qualify to get the appointment if you're lucky to get the appointment. And when you do get the appointment, the appointment is a princely five minutes worth of time to solve with a Band-Aid the problem that you have today. They're not looking at underlying brewing uh, systemic disease. We can have a whole other show on access. You know, we, we haven't had access shows in a while. Like, how hard is it to see a doctor? Um, this is off topic, but I was in Chicago over the weekend. I went to buy a suit because I COVID changed my weight a little bit, uh, saying I need a new suit. And the person, the sales lady, she goes to Northwestern Hospital in Chicago. She's on a five month wait to see oh a gosh. primary can you imagine five months to see a primary care doctor at northwestern mm -hmm. you might as well not that's the same as not having a doctor 
it's the same thing when you can't see your doctor that I mean there's such a problem with access it's really frightening I think it's gotten even worse because you know if you want to see like say an ophthalmologist for example or to get a specialized test or to go and see any of the specialists when you call that number they're looking out three months ahead of time and that's just simply not good enough that's not delivery of good health care well it's it's especially if you have a symptom so let's say you've like you were saying before someone waits to have a symptom because this is uh an encouraged or learned behavior you've already learned or been you know not to go to the doctor when you're healthy because nothing happens there's mm -hmm. no there's no process for screening for disease identifying problems before they happen and action taken and a follow-up that doesn't happen in 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 our healthcare in the business at all so when you're sick and you go, I guess I got to go see the doctor, then you're told I've got a three to five month wait. It's horrible. You're stuck with going to the emergency room. It's kind of unconscionable, but I know that PCPs will tell you, for example, they'll give you a referral to an endocrinologist or an orthopedic surgeon or a, or a cardiologist, and then you're off their ticket. Right. And then you dial this number. They don't care when you dial the number, when you call or if you call but that's up to you now to call and then you'll call the specialist and you're lucky i mean that you will get in before 3 months you know you're on the ball today emory i'm always on the ball <laughs> because, just, because i'm more angry today the, than but, usual but the ticket you know to say this that you're off the ticket is exactly what it is this is a a job ticket came up right mm -hmm. and and oh this i passed it on to mm -hmm. the next person right box checked gone you know not What's going on with my patient? How can I help them? What else is there to do? Maybe the specialist isn't the right decision. Maybe the patient doesn't know what's wrong with them. And they're telling you what their perception of the condition is and, and, and telling you what they think they need. Hey, I need to see an eye doctor. My vision's X, Y, or Z. Instead, they really should be seeing the PCP because it might be a symptom of a systemic problem that is being missed by the specialist who only treats end-stage disease. Or they don't see something because it's a symptom of a sub, you can't say a symptom of a subclinical problem, then it wouldn't be subclinical, but it's the beginning of something that hasn't fully evolved to catch their attention. So. These are all missed opportunities for prevention. Stopping something before it becomes a major problem that's going to impact your health, your functioning, and your pocketbook. And I'll tell you something also with the primary care physicians and the five minutes that you get with them when they're writing these prescriptions for, um, you know, giving you a phone number for an endocrinologist or a rheumatologist or an OB/GYN. And then they, you go out the door with all these phone numbers that you have to call this one, that one, and the next one. The PCP is not calling you back to say, did you ever follow through with that? There's no follow through. There's no, did you ever go? What happened to you when I sent you out into the wind? You know, and then it's on you. And then you call these doctors, try to set an appointment. You're waiting three or four more months. And I think that most people feel happy to be in that waiting period because they're afraid of bad news. Right. And then if they get bad news, then they're wondering, what do I do about this? Again, this is the concept and, and the unfamiliarity with the process of prevention. Right. So incoming shows, hopefully we'll be talking about new opportunities in prevention. And just that is scary to people. 
to learn what you may have today versus waiting for it to really take hold and kill you um, or have you know real life and real world implications for you and your family. I mean, the world is changing quickly, but not if you're relying on what your insurance covers. So we went on a whole segment tangent here. Next segment, we're going to come back and talk about testing. Um, imaging that identifies disease before it causes a problem and acting on it, not just saying, oh, it's there, don't worry about it because it's not bothering you, but oh, it's there, how do we stop it? And applying a whole body approach to stopping that process so it never causes you any harm or injury. I guess it's a process of education and waking up to the fact that we're not getting good health care. Um, as you said, it's uh, end-stage disease treatment, and then you're dependent on pharmaceuticals and operations and hospitalizations. But your whole practice is all about let's start with stopping the process before the process starts. Let's find out whether you have the markers, whether you have the genetic predisposition, and whether or not you have the likelihood of developing this disease. That's what all of your testing is about, if I'm right. Right. So we're going to talk about opportunities in genetics to prevent heart attack and stroke. Okay, let's talk about that on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you should be engaging with a concierge practice that specializes in prevention, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease and prevention. Dr. Collender is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll explain to us the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Collender directly at 866-COLLENDER. And we're also inviting you to listen to his show Thursdays at 7 p.m., they're live. You can call in and talk to Dr. Collender directly. Dr. Collender, we're coming back. We're talking about testing and genetics and how they are built into the whole preventative practice. Tell us a little bit about what the listeners need to know. Well, one of the things we need to learn, which is, again, coming from the last segments where we were talking about that prevention is just not in the vocabulary of our healthcare system because it's not covered by insurance. And we've all been brainwashed to think if it's not covered by insurance, we don't need it. But genetics plays an important role because what I'm seeing in my practice in the last few months is we're identifying young people. I'm going to say define young as 30 to 55. Young people with significant plaque with zero traditional risk factors. So these are people, no family history of heart attack or stroke. They've never smoked or looked at a cigarette. They exercise every day. They've got good cholesterol. They're not diabetic. I mean, they're thin and athletic looking. And they have plaque. I mean, not like go to surgery plaque, but 
you don't expect someone with those behaviors to have plaque, and they're just as surprised as anybody. Well, I would think more importantly, they are probably sold on the fact that they're home free by how they eat, how they look, how they take care of themselves. And so they probably feel as though they've got a free ticket to eternity, like there's nothing wrong with me. Well, there's an assumption that way. You know, but like, they're wrong. Of course they're wrong because they're obviously wrong. These are thin, healthy, athletic, healthy eating vegans. I mean, so it doesn't matter that you've chosen any particular lifestyle. Yeah, you there need, are no free passes. You need to identify that you have disease. And when we're not talking about, oh, they need to have better cholesterol, better blood sugar, better blood pressure, they're already there. They don't have any of those things. But we need to figure out what's causing them to be having plaque when they shouldn't based on what we know about plaque. And that's where genetics comes in. And genetics doesn't mean you have our, a fate. You're on this path that cannot be deviated from. That's a lot of what people think about genetics is I got a family history of heart disease and that's why I had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And in fact... You know, I do a little bit of corporate work, and we have a new company that's, I don't want to say entirely in my practice, but I'm seeing one person from this company in my practice, and they lost someone. One of their executives died last year from a heart attack, and he had a strong family history of heart disease. How old was he? 51. Mm. And, I mean, this isn't like some bum off the street. This is like a C-suite executive at a huge company. Mm -hmm. you know, who's affluent and smart and knows what they're doing. And he was scared to death, I heard, about having a heart attack given that's in his family. And he was powerless to do anything about it, and he died anyway. And I reached out to this company because they're, I'll say, within my sphere of influence, and no one's gotten back to me about joining the practice because look what happened. This can be stopped. My assumption is, until I talk to more people about it, is that they assume that it's genetics and that's why that person was fated to die. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is none of you are fated to die or have a heart attack or stroke or dementia or Parkinson's based on family history. We need to find out all of the genetic markers that put you at risk. Risk doesn't mean it's going to happen. Identifying your risk means additional action can be taken so that you avoid the risk. Now, when you talk about these markers and discovering these markers, I mean, in my mind, I know what the answer is. Your average PCP, your average doctor is not doing the necessary testing to identify these markers. But let's explain to the listening public out there that you're talking about a basic blood test. They're all blood tests. Right. There's they're nothing, all, there's they're all basic blood tests, and I'll be honest, they're not really expensive. And, you know, we spent all of last show talking about uh, a blood test called LPA, or also known as lipoprotein A, which is very common, carries a 30% increased risk of heart disease, and no one's checking it. And even if they are, your average doctor doesn't know what to do with the results anyway, just like they don't know what to do with the finding of subclinical plaque, which is our marker for having the disease we're trying to prevent. So 
There's other markers that we didn't talk about. Um, we alluded to briefly. One is a genetic marker called 9P21. You know, that's describing a, a place on the chromosome. And people with a 9P21 have a two times increased risk of heart disease above the, the I'll say, the standard population. And is this inherited? Is this something, obviously, if it's on the chromosome, they inherited it? It's inherited. Right, right exactly. genetic. So, I mean, I have a family where one person has it, the other one doesn't. So mm -hmm. it doesn't mean the whole family has it. But, the you know, the person that has it knows that they've got to work a little harder, you know, wherever their baseline is, not just work harder, but it's up to me, the doctor, to find other drivers of disease in this person that are not clinic that are not obvious. And so I've got to go and say, okay, this person has this risk. It's up to me to find every other possible actionable area so that I'm not amplifying that risk. The risk is what it is. He's going to have to do what he can do, and I've got to find every other actionable piece of the puzzle so that is less of a role in his life. So genetics isn't an, you know, something that you're just, you can't do anything about. You absolutely can do things about all of these genetic markers related to heart disease. So what you're saying is it's not a death sentence. Even if you do have the genetic predisposition or you've inherited the gene that would lead you down the path of inheriting, you know, cardiac disease, it doesn't mean that you can't stop it, reverse it, change it, and do something proactive about it. Absolutely not. And I want to contrast this to how your insurance company would interpret an actionable genetic marker. To them, actionable is you have an operation. Well, here's a genetic marker, and if we operate, we can remove the risk. And I'm referring to like a BRCA 1 and 2, which is a genetic marker for breast cancer and ovarian cancer in women. And that's the action, is an operation. Well, that's covered because it's an operation done at the hospital, mm -hmm. you know, which feeds our system. This is a lifestyle medical management, you know, uh, action. And it just doesn't make our, our the, the, health industry that much money. So they don't think of these kind of things as actionable. So what's the average listener and the average patient supposed to do out there that's listening to the show? They need to, first of all, embrace the idea that the practice of prevention does exist and that we have the technology now in this country to be able to diagnose these things, whether through blood tests or the simple diagnostic tests that you do. At what age do you encourage people to come in and start into a preventative practice? Well, 30 years old, because this is where we just started identifying this new person. You know, so healthy, very healthy looking person, does everything right, no family history, no risk factors. He has plaque. He's 32. That must have been a shock. Oh, he's in shock. I got to call him back. He's in utter shock. Unbelievable. Well, let's come back and talk more about this on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice that specializes in prevention, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. 
You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He's talking to us about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke and many other catastrophic diseases. For more information, we're encouraging you to call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. And also, please tune in to Dr. Colander's shows on Thursday. We're live, 7 p.m., and you will have an opportunity to talk to the doctor directly. Dr. Colander, this is our last segment. Let's find out a little bit more about what the average listener is supposed to do. What is the action they need to take in order to prevent these catastrophic diseases? Well, Amory, prevention starts with disease identification. You need to know that you have plaque, which is the disease that, if left unchecked, will cause heart attack and stroke and dementia and Parkinson's. So we want to identify disease. And we talked about a couple tests that are available. One is common and one is not. So the CT calcium score is common. Um, and that is a test you can do at your local hospital. It costs about $100 and identifies calcium deposits, which are what's left behind when your arteries go through processes of inflammation and healing. So actually, everybody who's listening to this show and just everybody, period, ought to be going and getting this test on their own. Take the initiative. Ask your primary care physician or any physician you go to. You need a prescription to go to the hospital. 10, 15 minutes. It's not, um, it's not a surgery. It's a very simple test. And, and then you get a score. And then from there, they'll know whether they have plaque or not. And then still, your doctor needs to recognize opportunities for prevention. So unfortunately, the way this test is being used is still a screening test for surgery. And we've talked about this on other shows, that all of your testing that you do when you go to the cardiologist are basically screening you for an operation, whether it's a stent or a bypass. This is screening you for an opportunity to stop you from making any more plaque and healing the plaque you have. So unfortunately, this is a test that's easy to get, but it's very hard to find anyone that knows what to do with it the right way because odds are um, 100% that your doctor doesn't know how to treat prevention or how to manage But at it. least this is a starting point right. so that if everybody that's listening to the show asks themselves, have I had the CT cardiac calcium scoring test done? And if the answer is no, then what they should be doing immediately is calling, getting a prescription, and going to their local hospital, paying the $100 or $125, spending the 15 minutes, getting it done, and then they come out with a score. And if they have any score at all, whether it's under 100, let's, over 100... Let's say over 10. Under 10 has the same uh, risk of not having any. So 10 and over, you have a risk of having an event. And that needs to be acted upon. The most important test is the carotid intima media thickness test, which unfortunately is very hard to find because it doesn't have a billing code. 
It's not being done anywhere except private offices where people like me are taking an active role in prevention. So, um, like you said, there's only a few people in the region doing prevention that even offer this test. And this is but actually... But I will say that it is absolutely necessary to get this test. I think everybody should get this test as well. It's really the most important test. And the reason is it gives you an in data about where you are on that day. And it's a snapshot into the level of inflammation measured by uh, in, in millimeters or really fractions of a millimeter. It's the... Uh, a, a visual representation of the inflammation inside your artery wall, and that measurement can be repeated over time to follow the progress of your prevention program. Whereas a CT calcium score is, I would look at that as a one-time event. You either have plaque, you don't have plaque, you have plaque, act on it. But at least it's a starting point, and everybody, yes. you know, the thing with the CT cardiac calcium scoring test is that it's readily available in every hospital. You can literally call up, make an appointment, get one done. You need a prescription? Yes. You have to pay for it? Yes. But on the other hand, it's very uh, non-invasive. It takes 10, 15 minutes out of your life. And then you find out, do I have a number or don't have a number? Next step to go on to the CIMT. Well, in Va my practice, it's the other way around. It's CIMT first because we have access to it. And then the CT calcium score second. And the reason is... There is a large number of people who have a zero calcium score who still have heart attacks. So a zero calcium score or a calcium score nine or lower doesn't mean you're free. It just means that you don't make calcium inside the wall of your artery. And those people who are making plaque without calcifying it are actually at a higher risk for an event than those people that have a higher calcium score. Calcium to me represents healing and not not active inflammation. So what you're saying is everybody who's listening should be standing in line to get the CIMT. Both. They need both. Because they, need, they need both. But you need the, both. Yeah, right, exactly. But they're going to have to call your office to find out where to get it because it's very scarce, hard to get, uh, non-invasive, a very simple test. Well, how long does it take? 15, 20 minutes? Same thing as a, as a CT scan, except and it's even no radiation. Right. It's just an ultrasound, um, and we've got a great technician that does the testing, and you get an idea where you are. So even though there's, I would say, no risk to getting a CT calcium score, there is a little bit of radiation involved, but I wouldn't let that get in the way of getting that information. But certainly the CIMT, so for everybody that's listening, they really ought to get online and call you, and if they're not going to you, you can tell them where they can go to get the test done. Exactly. And then once you have the information, you have your disease identified, then you are on a track to do something about it, which is what's really important. So you know that you have the disease, and then a plan can be developed, again, personalized plan, because not everybody has the same type of risk profile as everybody else. Everybody's different, and some people have no risks, and we've got to dig deeper and look at genetic markers. We have to look at deeper and find other asymptomatic conditions that may be predisposing them to heart disease. Whether they think they have them or not, you've got to look at all of them, whether it be sleep health, oral health, or looking at other 
conditions that you wouldn't otherwise think about as being related to heart disease, they all impact your overall um, artery status. So I'm thinking as you're talking here that it's all about giving people hope. I mean, if if any if all of the listeners were to say, okay, I'm going to go and get these two tests done, my question to you is if they find that they have a score, whatever that score is, wherever they are on their journey for having plaque, how reversible is it? I think everybody's reversible. And reversible doesn't necessarily need to mean we make their arteries pristine clean. Reversible means that we've healed the artery so it's not going to rupture and cause a sudden event and it's not going to progress to cause chronic illness. So that's stopping it. That's stopping chronic illness in its tracks. So there's hope for everybody then. They just need to get the testing done and, and, and start with a preventative practice. You've got to identify disease. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, and that wraps it up for the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR, sponsored by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and again, I want to thank Dr. Colander for talking to us about taking charge of our health, being proactive, avoiding heart attack and stroke, and more importantly, what you can do to halt or reverse the process of chronic degenerative disease. It's never too late to start. For more information on today's topic or how to learn more about how you can engage with a personal primary care concierge practice, you can call Colander Medical directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that's 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you become more aware of your options in preventing and reversing disease. And once again, you can reach out to Colander Medical at 866-COLANDER. Thank you for listening.